1: Everyone was always talking about it, you know, uh, if you shoot more uh, you, you, you can score more dry his shot goes wide It's five on four. We're scoreless in
2: the first McDavid Scores He banked it off of the goaltender and in and it's one nothing Edmonton
1: Was that where you were aiming? Uh, that was that was where I was aiming. <laughs> I've done that a couple times.
0: He has uh, An unbelievable desire to add layers to his game. So the goals that he's scoring now are much different than the ones he scored earlier in his his career. I think that's part of his evolution as a player. What we're seeing is unbelievable. Um, You know, but the way he goes about it, you know, it it is um, it's very impressive to see from. my vantage point.
1: McDavid again got it from dry side.
0: Sixty goals in that short of time span is amazing, um, but I, I keep going back. You guys have heard me say this a million times, but I keep going back to the fact that what drives him is team success. So he'd be most most happy uh, not with his two points or, or whatnot, or his two goals. It, he would be happy with the the team's two points tonight. Sixty,
1: uh, you know, a lot of great players in the past have
0: done it, and um,
1: you know, feels good to uh, to join that list. Um, obviously, we got a lot a uh, lot of work left this year and um, you know, looking forward to put ourselves in a good spot heading into,
0: uh, into the postseason. He certainly is the best player in the world.
1: McDavid again got it from dry side. Oh,
0: scores!
2: Connor McDavid! Yeah, McDavid gets to 60. Cam Boone with a great call last night and some comments from After the game, McDavid, Woodcroft, Dreisaitl as uh, McDavid becomes the third oiler to get 60 in a season. Uh, Gretzky did it five times. Curry did it a couple of times. That is a a rare achievement. Only four active players have reached 60. Austin Matthews last year, Alex Ovechkin and Steve Stamkos earlier in their careers. A lot of fun discussion. (laughs) How high is he going to go? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he could get to 70. I I said with Chelsea, I'm not going to predict it, but he's gone on stretches where he's had a goal per game, and who knows if he has a hat trick or something like that along the way. A couple empty netters could help him out. But regardless, the, the Oilers are on a good run here. And here's the thing. They they haven't played great the last three games. They've won five straight. You know, Seattle's a pretty good team. They, they they Seattle's goaltending was really costly in that game on Saturday. Not a good performance by the Oilers against the Sharks on Monday, but they got the win. I, I thought the Oilers played pretty well for the most part last night. A couple of big mistakes haunted them, and give Arizona credit. They're working pretty hard, even though they're lower down in the standings. And Arizona's 6-1-3 and three in their last ten games, which is... Quite good, but uh, the Oilers were able to pick up the victory. So in the Pacific Division, Vegas 94, LA 92, and Edmonton 90. Vegas and LA each have a game in hand. Vegas playing at Calgary tonight. The uh, Kings are not playing today. So it's looking... Now, unless the Oilers win the division, that's still going to be tough. Though they do play LA twice and they do play Vegas twice. So opportunities there. But uh, good run here for the Oilers, and obviously seeing McDavid doing what he's doing is pretty special. The NCAA basketball tournament, built-in drama. Don't know the players, don't know the teams, and trust me, I really don't. (laughs) But every game's Game 7. It tells you who the seeds are. It tells you who should win and who shouldn't. And we got an overtime game coming up here, Michigan State and Kansas State, uh, tied at 82 Michigan State scored uh, with, I think, about seven seconds left. Kansas State had one less shot to win it, so they're going to overtime. That is number seven, Michigan State, against number three, Kansas State. We'll keep you updated on that one. The other game, not so close, Connecticut, which is a number four seed in the West, leading Arkansas 59-33, four and a half minutes into the second half. Later on tonight, Gonzaga, UCLA, and Florida Atlantic will play Tennessee. In the NHL, a lot of games tonight. Here's what's going on. It is 4-0, Capitals leading Chicago. That's late in the second period. In the third, Minnesota and Philly still 3-3. Second period, Boston up 3-1 on the Canadians. Rangers and Hurricanes 1-1. Senators lead the Lightning 3-1. Maple Leafs up 3-2 on the Panthers late in the second period. After two, the Blues with a 4-2 edge. On the Red Wings, former Oil King Jake Neighbours with his fifth of the season, and Seattle leading Nashville one nothing after the first period. Sprong with the goal. Not a lot of shots in that game. Seven three in favor of uh, Seattle. We'll keep you updated on those ones. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It is Derek Scott in the studio tonight. Derek, what do we have?
0: Hey, Reed, how you doing? Good. Well, we got a couple of
2: texts so far. Uh, first of all, a compliment uh, to you about your intro. That's from Richard. It's says, very cool intro, Reed, which I completely agree with. You definitely blew my mind with that one.
0: Uh, and also we have uh, another text here that says, Great show, Reed. Quick note on Connor's continued improvement, scoring from behind the goal line by deflecting his shot off the goal hen- goaltender's head
2: into the net. History in the making. That's all I want to say. Thanks, Reed, from Doyle and Birchwood. Well, I mean, we here's the thing. We are watching history unfold. Like we, we are watching a player who 20, 30 years from now, after he's retired, we're going to talk about and say, "Do you remember the night he did that? Do, do you remember the season he dat did that? Do you remember this play? Do you remember when he and Leon did this?" And again, I always put a little bit of a qualify on here. I, I know fans want the Stanley Cup back in Oil Country, and probably no one wants that more than Connor McDavid either. You got to remember that, as long as and as, deserves it. I feel it's not as if he's not trying to do it. but, yep. but yeah, we're. I mean, we're watching. I mean, look, he is one of the greats. Like, I, I don't think it's hyperbole. Like, It's its like watching Tiger Woods in his prime, LeBron, Mike, Michael Jordan, I mean, it's Gretzky, Lemieux. That's the category he is in. And as I was talking about in the first half hour of the show, he is meeting, and as Kelly Rudy referenced, maybe exceeding expectations. And that's what the true great ones have done. I mean, I, you guys know I'm a huge golf fan, probably more than most of you. A lot of people laugh at me for liking golf. <laughs> but... You know Tiger Woods when he was 17, 18, going to Stanford. Well, he might, be, you know, he might be, he might beat Nicholas's, and granted, he didn't beat Nicholas's record, but still, I mean, it's Woods and Nicholas for the greatest golfer of all time. There's, Agreed. there's nobody else in the debate. There's nobody else in the debate. So, if, like, if the only knock you can have on Tiger Woods is that. He didn't win 18 or 19 majors. You know that—that's about the only negative thing you can say about him. McDavid's going to win the Art Ross this year. He's going to win the Rocket Richard. He's going to win the Hart Trophy, and he's done those things before, except for the Rocket Richard, I guess. But uh, so it's going to come down to how many championships can be associated with him. And and I and if you're as as old as I am, you, then you you saw that play out with Mario. I mean, they took the Penguins, I think, five or six years to even make the playoffs once. Then he finally, you know, Jordan was, was good, but they couldn't get over the hump. You know, they, the Pistons were beating them. And then they started winning titles, and then his legacy really gets cemented. So that, I think that's what we're looking at with McDavid. The individual greatness is going to be a joy to watch. Does it, does it shine through in the postseason, and, and does he win Stanley Cup or Cups here in Edmonton? But, but part of me tonight is just, you know, enjoy the ride. <laughs> and Dreisaitl, too, who, again, we probably don't talk about enough. Just a measly four assists last night. Like, Phenomenal. Two absolutely mind-bending passes. The the one to Nugent Hopkins and then the spinning backhand breakaway pass to McDavid in overtime. And, oh, that, by the way, then he got the puck back and, and passed on one knee to McDavid to set up the game winner. He's at 110 points. So I guess if you want to pull a historical comparison, I, I know in this town you'll say Gretzky and Curry, uh, you know, you can go Jordan Pippen. That's may- maybe another good one, too. So it, it's it's pretty fun. It, it's pretty fun for sure. Okay, we're going to talk more about, uh, about the Oilers, some perspective on McDavid, and we'll tie it into some other players as well. Jason Chimera and Ladislav Schmid, a couple of former Oilers are going to check in in the second hour of the show. When we get back, we're going to visit the CFL Combine with the head coach of the Champs, Ryan Dinwiddie.
0: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com.
2: All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in Uh, the CFL Combine in Edmonton. So we got a, a lot of very prominent people in the Canadian Football League in town, including the head coach of the Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts, Ryan Dinwiddie. Ryan, you're on with Reed. Welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing great. Just getting ready to do some interviews tonight with some of these players, and you know, hopefully, we do a good job. We can find some good Canadian talent.
2: That well, we appreciate you hopping on the show, and I know it's busy, so I'm glad you found a, a window for us because it is cool for a guy who hosts a sports talk show like me to have all these uh, CFL people in town. Now, I, you're going to have to fill me in because I only know very generally, but I understand the combine is working a little differently this week as opposed to other years in terms of uh, some of the things the prospects are going to be doing. How's it kind of changed this year, Ryan?
1: Yeah, just more on-field work. You know, we used to do on-field work, but it was really you know, one-on-one We're doing more team segments. Um, you know, what we're doing inside run, you know, running and throwing the football with 12 guys on the field. So that's what's really changed up this year compared to the years past.
2: I, I'm I'm happy to hear that because as someone who follows sports, I've, I've I understand why you want to measure someone's height, weight, speed, and all that kind of stuff. But I've always kind of thought to myself, well, it's, it's great if a guy is really fast, but can he run that fast while he's holding a football or trying to catch it? Right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and you, you can see the guys, you know, compete level, you know, have his uh, learning and understanding football at the same time, so. Oh yeah, I mean it, it gives us more opportunities to really evaluate these guys, to, to, you know, to the fullest.
2: Yeah, um, I, I'm curious. Like when you interview these guys, are you are, are you the co- one of these coaches, or do the Argos approach that you ask the the different questions? You know, the, if you were a tree, what what would you be, or what would you do if you saw a twenty dollar bill in a toilet, stuff like that? Or you're a little more straightforward. I'm curious. More straightforward. You you
1: know, let's kind of, you know, see what his background was. You know how he was you know, raise and where he was raised and, you know, certain things like that. And we try to make them comfortable. You got to ask them, you know, tough questions, but, you know, we try to uh, make sure we're not putting the kid in a tough spot.
2: Yeah, okay, so I, I, I got to flash back a bit with you, if you don't mind. A, a good chance here to get to know you a little bit about some of your experiences. Uh, I, I got to go back to that, that Grey Cup, and I, Justin Lawrence, as you, of course, uh, know, is from the area, so I had him on a few days after you guys won, and I know he's now signed with Montreal, but he was just on this show a couple of nights ago because he had the Grey Cup in his hometown. Like, you're, you're coaching in the Grey Cup, and there's two blocked field goals in the last three minutes, when did you finally sort of process what an unusual intense ending that was because you were embroiled in it so i don't know what you know you're probably processing it different than all the people observing the game
1: yeah no question i mean after the first one i was like okay now let's find a way to stop them and then you know when they had the long one i I thought we had a good chance for them to miss it i didn't necessarily think we'd block it and they blocked it again it was just like okay now so we ran out the clock and then yeah, once the clock ran out, and you know, probably about a minute or two into the celebration, you're like, "Wow, that was that was pretty intense." You know, we had a chance to, I thought, really put the game away with Robbie sack, and then the two kicks missed on that as well. I've never had a game finish like that in the last three minutes.
2: Yeah, um, it, obviously, you know, two seasons for now with you, Toronto. I guess would have been because you were hired in 2020, right? For the but then the pandemic wiped it out, so they would have been three seasons. Was that the timing? Mm-hmm.
1: Would would have been three, yeah, it would have been just two.
2: Yeah. For you, and and I'm sure a lot of people remember you playing and, and, you know, the 07 Great Cup and all that kind of stuff. When did going into coaching become a reality for you? And I I ask that because there there are always those players you hear, oh, well, he's going to coach when he's done. He's going to coach when he's done. Were were you one of those guys, or or how did that journey play out?
1: Well, that was a plan for me. You know, my dad's a high school football coach, so I've been around it forever. So it was you know something that I wanted to do um you know, and then it's really until you get opportunity to to really do it right you gotta have the opportunity to you will know, be offered a job and to work your way up so this is something I want to do for a long time um yeah it's just been a it's been a great journey
2: what what are tell people what the hours are like if, as a head coach of a pro football team how much do you sleep during the season?
1: <laughs> well, not much I mean only about five hours a day, you know from some certain days you might not get that. You know, if you're playing out west and you're traveling back out east, so yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, they're long days, but you know, they're they're uh, pretty fun. So yeah, normally we're there about you know 15 hours, you know, during the season, off season. You know, we're down you know you can work in the regular nine to five and you, you know yeah. might get into some phone calls some things that you have to do as far as like finding players and you're doing some valuations but the you know, off season is a lot easier than it is during the season as far as sleep
2: i'm curious about that process of finding the players and of course you have the combine for some canadian players but man oh man i mean there's uh, there's the nfl usfl xfl I interview American players all the time. Sometimes they're like, "I didn't even know there was a CFL till I, till I came up, up here." How how competitive is it right now, and maybe downright difficult to get players into the CFL?
1: It's, it's tough right now, just because the other leagues are out there, and you know, guys when they choose to come up to Canada, you know, a lot of these players, that's probably where they're, they're going to be for the rest of their career. And, you know, I think what we try to do is a good job of establishing that mindset in some of these, these kids that you can come be a household name up in the CFL and make some money and then have, you know, some money you can make off the field, you know, have that fans there. And it's, and it's exciting to play. where you, They're playing these other leagues in front of two 3,000. You know, um, they're hoping that the NFL is still there, you know. And then once they feel like that's not there or these leagues kind of fold, I think they're all going to, you know, we can come back to the CFL have more of a, pull the pick from.
2: Yeah, well, the CFL has outlasted all these other leagues, right? So you're, you're probably right there. You mentioned your dad. I got to circle back to that because that's so cool. I, I, and again, I don't know if your dad is still with us or anything like that, but uh, do you talk to him after after games or does he ever say, like, do you still get advice from him since he coached too, or how does that work?
1: Oh, We talked, you know, after the games for a lot of the games this year. He was actually in Toronto. Yeah, they just retired him My mom, So they would come up, you know, spend like a month um, to go back home and come back for another month. So, yeah, he got to sit on the sideline for a bunch of games, and then we were losing, and I uh, kicked his butt out. So said, no, you got to go stand up. <laughs> I'm super there So then the, the last game of the year, you know, we had that game where Chad and we had the playoffs locked up and said, okay, you got one more chance. So, had him down there. We obviously didn't win that game. I said, oh, well, that's it. For you you got to stand upstairs for the rest of the year.
2: Just a couple more for you. I, I know you got to go. Uh, you played at Boise State. Uh, and it's it's interesting. I mean, it's not that far from uh, from Edmonton. So, I, I mean, I, I have two or three buddies that that's where they've gone to see an NCAA football game in, in Boise State. Uh, that is the famous blue turf, of course. And you're highly regarded for your college career. What was it like playing there?
1: Oh, it was great. You know, great experience. Met a lot of good friends. You know, we did some good things there, too. You know, it hadn't been to a bowl game until, you know, I got there. I Actually, Bart Hendricks was a quarterback that year. We ended up playing in Edmonton. Um, no, it was awesome. I you know, really enjoyed the living there in the mountains and doing all those things. But, you know, I go down there usually once a year. Still got a lot of friends down there. And, uh, you know, they they show up and get loud in that stadium. It's pretty loud. And, uh, you know, mine only has 35,000, but it sounds like 50.
2: Okay, and my last one for you, Ryan. And I've started asking some coaches this, and because I've got some fun responses over the last few years, what would Ryan Dinwiddie, the coach, have thought of Ryan Dinwiddie, the quarterback? Would have he been frustrated by him, or what, <laughs> what would have he worked with them on? <laughs> well, I
1: think I think it'd be great. I mean, I you know pretty much coached myself. I felt like in the CFL, we I have the best coaches in in uh, Winnipeg, and uh, so I think I, I would have. I would have been able to if you lead me in, direct, in a direction and, and help me out. I think I would have had a you know, better career than I did. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, as a coach, you want players that put the time in, understand defenses, understand coverages, you know, um, that are going to be prepared e- each day. And, you know, you got to have a quarterback that, that does that. So I think, you know, McLeod was that guy. Um, you know, Chad was that. Chad's becoming that guy. So, you know, that's what I mean. I think the kid's got a bright future now, too. Um, we'll see.
2: Ryan, I really appreciate that you took the time to hop on the show. This was cool to get to know you a little bit. Uh, The Argos are here Sunday, June 25th. I I still can't believe you guys pulled that one out last year in the regular season, but I guess it was a sign of things to come for you guys. So thank you for doing this. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. Thanks. That is Ryan Dinwiddie, the head coach of the Toronto Argos, checking in from the CFL Combine. So there you have it. Uh, Dad was, uh, was a head coach, and Ryan had to kick him off the sidelines this past regular season because they were losing too many games when Dad was there. But it uh, turned out that they went on to win the Grey Cup. Good to talk to Ryan there for a few minutes. Really appreciate that he made time for us. Okay, we will uh, transition back into a little bit of hockey. We got a couple of former Oilers coming up for their perspective on uh McDavid, Ekholm, and some other storylines, Jason Chimera and Ladislav Schmied. Kansas State leading Michigan State by a point with 17 seconds left in overtime. We'll probably have a resolution when we get back.